Hey, this is Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Up on theringer.com this week, we've posted our streaming recommendations for the month of September, updated our 50 best superhero movies of all time list, and make sure to check out our Stephen King coverage by Ben Lindbergh on the site and on the Big Picture podcast. On the sports side, our NFL experts are giving their predictions for the season, the storylines they're most excited about, and finalizing their rankings of the top 150 fantasy players of 2019. You can check it out on theringer.com. Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Summer's over. Goodbye yacht season. Yeah. Hello to so many other things, though. That's true. Also, maybe hopefully a yacht or two. I mean, yacht, the true yacht devotees don't really take time off. Maddie Johnson's yacht trip is still happening. Like It's been happening for like a long time. Can I tell it's you something that crazy. I meant to text you? I um, was traveling this weekend. I went to Mexico City, which was great. And I bought an Ola, which is my favorite thing. I love to buy hellos and Olas when traveling abroad. The international ones are so much better than the U.S. version of Oh, I see. The magazine. Yeah, the magazine. I'm sorry. The tabloid magazine. There's a full page on the rising sun. Oh, my God. Yes. Like, Yacht Instagram and Celebrity Yacht Season has made it. To Ola magazine. It's international, which I guess it always was, but it's coming full circle. And I was That's really incredible. Yeah, I was really pleased. That's great. I love it. All right. What we have to say goodbye to it now. Did you learn anything good? No, I mean, it wasn't like they taught me anything I didn't already know, but mm-hmm. I was just glad to see it recognized uh, sure. on a larger platform. It's so deservedly so. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I-, I had a great time with Yacht Season. Me too. It'll but live on in my heart. Oh, absolutely. And we'll see, see you, we'll see you in the Caribbean in December, mm-hmm. you know? All of the yachts, they go to Fort Lauderdale, and then they go straight to St. Bart's and thereabouts. But today, we'll be discussing some other things. A big wedding in England that's not a royal new couple that I'm excited to discuss. So we'll share some personal news, talk about Brad Pitt. But first, a new side of Justin Bieber. Every few years, we get a new one. And this time, it's what Alyssa Bresnak said on Slack as Ernest Justin Bieber. And I think that's accurate. He posted a long note, also turn of the note of the note app to Instagram, um, about how he's feeling and how he has been feeling for the last few years. And I'm just gonna say it. I was excited to see the notes app back, back in vogue. <laughs> that's the number one takeaway. So you're like, notes app back. Notes app back. Kevin Durant, you were a big user of that. I mean, right. come on, people. Our typography expert, Juliette Littman, has returned. Yeah. As has the note app. <laughs> Where are you at with Justin Bieber, Amanda? That's a great question. I think indifference mm. in the in the words okay. of Taylor Swift. It's not love. I forgot it's that not you hate. Yeah. I didn't forget that he existed, but I think that I'm not sure what Justin Bieber has to offer me, Amanda Dobbins. And my new attitude for fall, which is like not a new attitude at all, but whatever, is just. If it's not for me, I'm not really sure why it's in my life, you know? (laughs) So Okay, Marie Kondo. (laughs) I'm just kind of like, here's the thing. I thought that this note, I guess, was nice. This note is about self-awareness and Justin Bieber kind of trying to express out of nowhere, basically, that he has been through some dark times in his life as well, and he's trying to process some of the way he was raised and the bizarreness of child stardom and fame. And he personally has tried to come out on the other side of that with 
gratitude and is trying to be a better person and is also trying to encourage the people reading this note. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, I think it is. Sounds about right. And I think it has, like, definitely some insight, particularly about the peculiarity of his personal existence and how he became famous at a very young age and didn't have a support system. Definitely seems like Justin Bieber's men in therapy. Oh, yes. Which Definitely. I, I bet they're in couples therapy. Yeah. Hail, hailstorm. I'm trying even to remember now in that kind of extremely candid, for no reason, Vogue piece, whether they talked about therapy. They were definitely doing a lot of therapy, self-actualization speak, though some of that seemed to be from Hillsong or... I guess it's not Hillsong. What is their new church? I don't know the name of it, but yeah, they have a new one. Right. Anyway, it was kind of from the um, the their religious studies. It yes. seemed it was inflected in that way, if you will. But and then maybe after they kind of got married quickly, they ha- I haven't had their like wedding party yet, have they? No. And Stephen Baldwin was like talking about this weekend. Was talking about like their Christian wedding, and then they keep. They keep moving the date for their big party. So it's unclear when that's actually going to happen. But, you know, whenever it does, cool. Right. Good stuff. So maybe they're also in couples therapy working through some of that. Anyway, we're both pro-therapy. Love therapy. Yeah. Tommy a lot. So Couldn't be more pro. I I think that's great. Justin Bieber definitely could benefit from, you know, some therapy, which is not a slight on him. It's just like, as he points out in this, this notes app, Weird, unique life experience that this young person has had. A funny thing about his career in the last few years is that his big hits have all been features, like Despacito, and then he's on the uh, Ed Sheeran song this summer, which, like, considering it was he and Ed Sheeran, is not that big of a hit, but quite a catchy tune. Can I tell you, Um, it's a hit in my own life? It's a really good song. It's quite good. Have you watched the video, though? No, I haven't. It's, like, the single most brazenly mailed in video that I've ever seen. They just sort of like, it's both of them. They clearly couldn't get them in the same place at the same time. So they both do like different green screen shenanigans. And it's just really weird. And like, so there was, I I think it's not that it was low budget, but there just was like no interest in like doing a video. So, but they had to. So it's like the most like basic, it's not even basic. Like it's like almost like trying to have a joke about how this is a bad video and we're all in on the joke, but it's just a bad video that uses a lot of green screen, like not in a creative way. And it's just very obvious that with a lot of songs that are made by superstars, they're, they can't get them in the same place at the same time. So they never are. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Can anyway, I, it's a horrible video. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Who besides you, Juliette Littman, our pop music scholar and like, and our, our really, our TRL scholar, still watches traditional YouTube music videos or traditional music videos in 2019? Well, I think that's the answer. It's for YouTube as like a way of like racking up right views. And I think the like top tier of artists still put a lot into them, like Taylor Swift, obviously. Of course. And Beyonce. But there is also, they have to do so many now because they also have to do the videos for like Spotify yeah. and, and Instagram. Yeah, and right? Even sometimes the lyric videos. Yeah, and Instagram, they have to do all that. Taylor Swift kind of, was smart and doubled up on some of her Spotify video also being her actual video stuff. But anyway, yeah, Justin Bieber is just like at a really weird time. He's still so mega famous, but like at this point, kind of like for what? Like, what does he do? Like, like what kind of celebrity is he? Is he still a pop star? Is he just like someone who happens to be famous? That happens to a lot of celebrities when they're, their craft or their trade 
becomes secondary to their persona. And I think when you've lived as much life as hard as Bieber has, as he writes about in his very long notes at post, the persona overtakes the the work, which like is maybe giving too much uh, gravity to this to Justin Bieber's work. But I think it's true. I think all of that's true, and it's definitely something that all artists, but especially kids who start at a young age grapple with at some point is like they grow up and they're no longer the thing that they were famous for, but they're still really famous. But as you said, the persona outweighs the work, even if they are trying to do the work. In a lot of ways, we were talking about that with with Taylor Swift and how she has kind of grown up in the public spotlight and has maybe not adjusted as I would like her to, for lack of a better word, with um, the maturity that she has in her real life is perhaps not reflected in her music. So people grapple with it in different ways, but it's, you're right, that Justin Bieber just kind of exists now without really doing anything. I mean, it is weird that he exists and is still so famous that he can just write basically, you know, this, this Notes app, while I suppose thoughtful and definitely reflective of some work, is still just like him sharing for no reason. Yeah. And it's a huge deal, and we're talking about it on a podcast, and I think have had both already had both individual conversations and conversations with other Ringer staffers about it. That's weird when you are a person who can just be like, I feel like sharing a little today, and then millions and millions of people offer you feedback on it. Yeah, definitely weird. I can't imagine. Also, it seems like they really love each other, he and Haley Baldwin. I don't know what that means at a young age. It might mean something different at that in like your the first half of your 20s and then it does in like the first half of your 40s. But whatever it means to them, I think it seems really legit and like very sweet. Yeah, I agree with you that I don't know totally what it means. They are definitely committed to each other in some way, at least for the moment. You know, I think it's like Justin Bieber's learning to how to be a normal human being in real time along with everything else, which is not a slight to him. It's just he's had such a bizarre experience that it seems like he's using this partnership with this other person to learn basic things. Like, what does it mean when I say something hurtful to someone? Like, what, you know, how do you interact with a person? How do you live a life that is not just entirely thousands of people revolving around you? Which is great. And everyone should learn how to do that. And also... Shouts to Haley Baldwin for wanting to put up with that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Justin, let's see what you do next. P.S. I, I want to say it seems like Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber are tight. And Ed Sheeran just seems to be friends with everyone. I, I don't know. I think that's interesting. I once One thing that's notable, and we've been tracking here, is that when the big Bieber, Haley Baldwin Vogue piece came out, like t- Scooter Braun was like basically not in it. And there hasn't been a lot of like Justin and Scooter association lately. And I think that's such an interesting in terms of, like, his career and, and all right. that. Though I will say when Taylor launched the press war against Scooter Braun, Justin did chime in in Scooter's totally. defense. Yes. And I'm also looking at a comment from Scooter on this Instagram post that says, proud of you with a heart. Yeah. You know, who knows what's going on there, but it's interesting. And, of course— Ed Sheeran famously wrote Love Yourself, originally entitled Fuck Yourself, hmm. <laughs> which he had to change for Justin Bieber and his fans. Um, which, if you think about it, makes a lot more sense for that song. Yeah, I guess so, though. I, I like it as it is. I still, it's that's a Justin Bieber high point for me. I guess it's interesting that Ed Sheeran is now on the Justin Bieber Scooter Braun camp as opposed to the Taylor Swift camp. He is yes. not a part of 
of Lover in any way. Yes. And I have to say, their song together on Red that is called um, Everything Has Changed is one of my top five Taylor Swift songs. So (laughs) I'm sad about that. I think Ed Sheeran is great at songwriting. And he also seems to be very savvy at uh, playing the game and knowing who to align himself with at any given point. Did you ever see Yesterday, the movie about the Beatles? You know, I didn't. Are you aware that Ed Sheeran is like definitely a supporting actor in that movie? It's not a cameo? I am aware, yes. I still would like to see that movie. That's definitely like had it been on Netflix, I would have rushed home from work to see it immediately on a Friday. Sure. But the fact that it's in the theater is high bar for me. Sorry, Sean Fennessy. No, it's okay. I mean, I think the movie was disappointing. I basically lost my mind when talking about it after the fact, but I won't spoil it for you. (laughs) I will just say that I couldn't believe how much Ed Sheeran was in this movie. And also, basically, the movie positions Ed Sheeran as, like, the heir to the Beatles, which I think Ed Sheeran is a tremendously talented songwriter, and he's not the heir to the Beatles. That's nuts. But also is incredible work by Ed Sheeran to get himself to a place where a major motion picture is like, ah, yes, Ed Sheeran, the heir of the Beatles. On that note, when... Zane Lowe was on the Bill Simmons podcast. I listened with extreme beta breath because I'm a Zane Lowe super fan and obviously a Bill Simmons super fan. And Bill asked Zane, like, who do you think is the biggest pop star or who's the biggest star in the world? And he couldn't really give like one answer. I mean, because it's kind of like a little bit hard to quantify. But of like the four or five people he mentioned, Ed Sheeran was one of them. And he was like, if you're just doing it based on touring numbers alone, then Ed Sheeran is definitely number one. And I agree with you. He is not the heir to the Beatles throne, but he is something. And he's so rich that he's pissed off. He's pulled a Taylor Swift. He's pissed off all of his neighbors due to the weird construction projects he's doing on his property in England. Have you read about this? A little bit, yes. He like built a pond and like surrounded it with like these bales of hay and got like he like he like lied on the permits to say it was like for bettering the town, but it was just for his own use. And he's like now in a feud. He actually has like a lot of litigation pending right now. I do but know anyway. about this because I read the plans and I was like analyzing Ed Sheeran's architecture plans. I wouldn't say that we have the same taste in yeah. architecture, but yeah. you know. May we all be rich enough to get in uh, pissing matches with our neighbors about our planned renovations. I've been talking to my dad a lot about how um the new cheap wave is using uh, vinyl flooring. Like it's like a new f- kind of laminate that looks even nicer. And it's like vinyl tiles. We can talk about it offline. Okay. Ed Sheeran never needs to think about his cost cutting. That's true. Anyway, <laughs> um, Justin Bieber, be well. That's what we say to you. Be bold today and love people today as Justin Bieber urges you to do. Okay. That's beautiful. All right. Next, in the world of mega famous celebrities, Brad Pitt made an appearance at Kanye West Sunday service this past weekend, which was held in Watts, California. And apparently Brad just like showed up Mm -hmm. and mingled. And then that was it. Apparently it's his second time going. Yeah, sure. Good for good for Brad, I guess. We haven't talked a lot about Kanye this summer and his adventures in architecture either. And I think that's I don't okay. really know about them. Do you want to tell me about it? I'll be honest. I saw the headlines and was like, this isn't something I need in my life. So I'm recondoed it. But my understanding is that Kanye wanted to create 
I think this is related to the housing crisis in Los Angeles, which is real and which the city of Los Angeles is doing absolutely nothing to aid. So in this sense, I respect Kanye for at least trying to do something. Um, Then it became he was building some huts in Calabasas. But once again, he got into a fight with the neighbors about some of the, the planning and the various issues. There was also a design element to the houses, as I understand. They looked kind of like space colonies. That's about where I unsubscribed, if you will. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, and also, I, I really do think it had to do with the L.A. housing crisis. And if, it's, if not, then I am just going to give him credit for that because it's an issue that needs attention. But anyway, that's about what I know. As you know, Kanye is interested in design, as is Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is also interested in architecture as a way to try to solve major civic problems. He famously started a New Orleans nonprofit after Hurricane Katrina that did not pan out. So they they also have that in common as well. I feel like if this is what Brad wants to do with his Sunday, then so be it. I have just spent so much time this summer wondering what Brad Pitt does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You never, you never see him out in the world. This is like the first paparazzi photograph of Brad Pitt that I have seen like maybe since he was photographed like going to his friend's sculpting studio after the Brad and Angelina divorce, you just don't see them. Yeah, no, you you don't. Uh, I don't know what he's doing. I guess like maybe he's doing jigsaw puzzles at home. Who knows? I guess so. You know, I have to assume that he's pretty good at avoiding paparazzi at this point. You know, there are celebrities who can do it. But I also have to assume that he doesn't just go out in public that often. He probably goes from, like, private space to private space. Yeah. So it's notable that he went to this very public space for the second time. And, I, you know, it's cool. I guess he's just there to check it out. I, I would be surprised if he becomes, like, a regular participant in the Sunday services. That seems like an interesting turn for everyone. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do, do you think of Kanye now as more of a musician slash rapper producer, or which is kind of like within one field? Or do you think of him more as like a multi-hyphenate, like also including, you know, obviously he is into, he's moved into this like religious space and he obviously does all the fashion stuff. So like, do you think of him in that way? Or do you think of him as just more like a straight up celebrity in the Kardashian machine? I think I just think of him as a, as a famous person above Mm -hmm. everything else. I think he's one of those people who has ascended to a level of, much like Justin Bieber, a level of fame that fuels everything that he does at this point. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. I just kind of, just sort of curious because like, not not to uh, be too on point, but I miss the old Kanye. I miss the rapper and producer like whose work was weirdly more available to more people while I think what he I think he's trying to do things that will affect or touch more people but yet by not doing making music I feel like he's like so much more unknown to the world at at large and so it's like funny to like take in all of these sort of if we give him the benefit of the doubt good faith projects which sort of like just don't go anywhere or only like available to a very limited number of people and Brad Pitt and it kind of bums me out I don't know just it's just, you know, Kanye, who, I, I don't know. He's just so confounding. I agree. I, I was thinking that I don't, in terms of your original question, like, I don't take the, it's not even that I don't take them seriously. I still consider things like the affordable housing project 
or even like the Yeezy fashion line is kind of extracurricular stuff. Yeah. Even though Yeezy's the shoes make a ton of money. But I do think of all of his art and design and fashion pursuits as secondary to what he does or what we know him for or what his talent is really, which he's a really talented producer and rapper. So I guess in that sense, I still think of him primarily as a musician, but to me in my head, he's just the example of like what 21st century fame can do to a person in a career. It's like a, it's a really rich text and ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so crazy. They've got four kids. It's so many. It's just so weird. Kanye's evolved a lot in the last 15 years. Oh, man. I can't really get too deep into it because then we have to like talk about politics and stuff. You know, right. it's such a bummer. That's the real bummer of Kanye is that he's like a fraught topic that you can't go too deep because it just gets too complicated. And I hate that. Give me more fun, Kanye West, and more music, please. I agree with with both of those things. Okay, let's move on. A great topic, if you don't want to talk about politics. Ellie Golding's wedding. It was a big one. I feel like we could probably get to top politics pretty quickly on this one, but anyway. Yeah, let's let's choose not to. That, okay. Although that is true because the royals who attended are the Yorks. We got Princess Eugenie, Princess Beatrice, and their mother, Sarah, Duchess of York, Fergie, the Weight Watchers gal herself. And they were just, it seemed like they were having a grand old time. Their plus ones were there, Jack's Brooksbank. And I forget Beatrice's man, but they're expected to get engaged pretty soon. And I thought that those three women looked fantastic. I do think they looked great. I also don't remember his name either, but I don't think we have to learn it until they're officially engaged. No, absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. Jax Brooksbank, I only learned by the end of the second watch of her of their wedding. And yes, I watched it two times. I, can, I, can I have some follow-up questions there? You certainly can. What was the context in which you did the rerun? Um, my friend came over and she hadn't seen it. And I was like, hey, you want to watch this? I've already seen it, but I'd be happy to watch it again. And so we did. That's very generous of you. Was it a same-day rerun? Yes, it was. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> it was like five or six months after Harry and Meghan's wedding and also at Windsor Castle. So there was just like a lot of comparison. What a bad beat. I mean, it's already a bad beat being a child of Prince Andrew and then having your wedding upstaged by five or six months by your new American brethren is just really rough. Straight out of Down Abbey, honestly. My understanding, though, was that it was there was no upstaging. It was like never like Eugenie's or Eugenie's wedding was going to be on par with this until Prince Andrew threw a fit and was like, you will also make this a state occasion. He basically paid uh, ITV or whatever network it was. It was on TLC in the U.S. Um, He basically paid the network like in kind by like he gave them a lot of access. And so then they agreed to do it because like how often do you get a lot of access to two of the Yorks? And so it was more than two of them. But like you really there was a lot of Prince Andrew in it and a a full on sit down with Eugenie and Jack. And also like they were elevating British celebrities on the broadcast. I was like, who are these people? And then I would Google them and they're like, you know, you might see them in the background of a photo of them leaving catch one evening in Los Angeles, you know? And, but yes, it was, it was quite a time. And so now I feel a real familiarity with, with the house of York. Okay. Uh, And they were at the wedding is the point. Not that many celebrities. And yet like just the most Royal treatment for this duo. Well, so they, they were married at York Minster, which is, I believe like it's the major Abbey in York in the North Mm -hmm. of England, which according to Ellie Goulding's Instagram post, 
is is a place of significance to her now husband and her family. So I don't know about anything about this guy, but it seems like he comes from one of those old families where everyone has to wear the morning coats at weddings. Right. Th- right though right. I guess everyone does that at all British weddings, even though it's 2018, which is very yeah, at funny. this point. At this point. Um, who's your favorite celebrity that attended? Well, I thought Sienna Miller looked great. And she was there with her, like, new-ish boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, Lucas Werner, who is, I believe, like, related to the art world, which oh. just makes this— I was also looking at pictures of Jennifer Lawrence and her fiancé, Cook Maroney, now. And so I feel like the art world boyfriend is a new is a new subset of celebrity boyfriends that I'm interested in. I was just observing a trend. I would love to have an art world boyfriend. Yeah, FYI, it seems FYI nice, right? world. <laughs> yeah. Yes, does. So I thought Sienna Miller looked great. Good for her for starting another trend. One note on that. I yeah. saw I saw Tom Sturridge's play, her, you know, her baby daddy. Mm-hmm. And my main take is see you all life. My and Jake Gyllenhaal also in it. Very good. My main takeaway though is that Tom Sturridge is just the most British man to have ever been British. And I just find that very funny to think about him with Sienna Miller. Yes, they have a child together, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> and forever linked. That's okay. it. That's all I want to say. Didn't care about Tom Sturridge before. Uh, it's nice that Cressida Bonas was there. Yeah. Cressida Bonas. How are we saying that? I think it's Cressida Bonas. Okay. Uh, she's wearing an engagement ring. She's getting married. Great for her. Congratulations. She's moved on from Fontaine. You want to talk about Katy Perry? I do. I just want to note before we talk about Katy Perry, because this will take away all other commentary. Okay. Could not believe Carly Kloss and Josh Kushner were there. I was just like, will you guys go to any wedding you're invited to? I, I mean, I just was shocked. Okay. Katy Perry is wearing <laughs> what I consider to be like a Lena Dunham attempt to dress like Hillary Clinton. It is a like almost tie-dye silk dress that's about T-length with a like a um, sherbet green jacket that's about like hits mid-calf and... The outfit is so unflattering on her. It makes her look so frumpy. And then I think her hair and makeup looks incredible. And I just was so confused. Just so, so confused. What did you think, Amanda? I agree that it's unflattering. Here's my take. The whole British wedding style is tough. It is really hard to not look exceptionally frumpy and like you're dressed up like the queen for Halloween. And basically, the only way to do it is to be just so, so skinny that the boxiness of a jacket looks like fashion on you instead of like a box, which is what it looks like on all all normal people. And I feel like it's particularly hard for American women who are used to dressing in a more modern style to figure out how to revert back into what is basically like 1950s fashion. It's really weird. They're all wearing hats and like jackets. I feel like even Meghan Markle struggled with this a lot of just she was like a stylish 2018 American woman. And then suddenly she had to do like weird events in kneeling skirts all the time. And it's like, what's happening? Yeah. And like her weird crutch is wearing a lot of navy, which I also wear a lot of navy. But like I'm just like a rando going to a job. I'm not like scrutinized by the press and I don't think my stylist would be like, yeah, wear navy 100% of the time. I like navy also. I, I, I'm i wearing it right now. Me too. But, I think, but it's there's just something also about the cuts. I mean, 
when was the last time that you have you ever worn a like a skirt suit? No. Right. But no. that's like what these people are wearing to the weddings. That's the uniform. I think your point is is was right. Like you either have to be like really skinny, wear something like really form fitting. That's like that thick materials like still look good because you're so skinny. Essentially, it's kind of like that's how uh, Diane dresses on The Good Wife. Mm-hmm. Or you just look really frumpy because you wear something that's like slightly less form fitting and like the materials just don't don't look good. We, and, and they're just also mentally. As- in my mind, it's associated with grandmas, you yeah. know, like literal yeah. grandmas. So it's tough if you're a young, attractive person who's like wearing grandma clothes. It is true. I, I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, I, the answer might be for the British to stop doing like 50s cosplay weddings, which is my take. <laughs> I don't know. It's not really working for anyone. Even Ellie Goulding, who I think is, she looks very beautiful, but she's doing like the long sleeved, high collar full-length dress because that's what they all do. You have a, you know, you have a morning British wedding and suddenly you're all dressing like Princess Diana still. So many turtlenecks at this wedding. Like, so many. I mean, maybe that's in style. You know, fashion's hard. It's not surprising me that Sienna Miller is the only person who gets it right. Like, totally right at this and managed to look both stylish and appropriate. It's because she's like a literal model. I actually thought... Fergie looked great also. Yes, I thought she did too. I think she's looking wonderful. But, you know, but Fergie's also, sh- it, the outfit is finally age appropriate, you know? Right. Um, I just wanted to say her husband's name is Casper Jopling. We haven't said that one time. And it kind of looks like he, she married like a, the most handsome version of Hugh Grant in Four Weddings and a Funeral. <laughs> it, he does have that vibe. And I like it. He looks cute. He looks and he's like, also- kind of a normie. He's also wearing the same exact wedding outfit that Hugh Grant wears in Four Weddings and a Funeral. They're still dressing like this. It's what are those true. even called? Waistcoats? I think it's a waistcoat. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't know. I, it seems like a lot of effort to me. Just great, great stuff. Okay. Uh, all right, T. Moving along. This we don't need to spend a lot of time on, but I just want to send up the flair. New couple that I care about. Pete Davidson and Margaret Qualley. Wow. Didn't see that coming. I don't really think anyone did. So tell me. Counterpoint, Amanda. I've been thinking about it. Margaret Qualley kind of looks like Cassie David. Very similar style. Both tall and skinny. Long, dark hair. Very fair. Does not look like Ariana Grande. But not not too far off from Cassie David. They'd be in the same lookbook. So tell me the nature of your interest in these people. I think Margaret Qualley is a really good actress. She was a large part of why I enjoyed to the extent that I enjoyed it um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm-hmm. despite the weird feet thing. I really enjoy her in Fosse Verdon, the TV show that was on FX back in the spring. I really liked her on The Leftovers and uh, Groundhog Day is one of my favorite movies starring her mother, Andy McDowell. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm just excited. I think that I'm just invested in Margaret Qualley being famous and successful because I just really like her and th- do think she's a good actress. And I think that dating um, someone who's like a tabloid fixture is a, is a great way to get more famous. So good job, Margs. So it's elevating her profile. And yeah, so you're 100%. interested in that. Was anyone talking about Margaret Qualley before she started dating Pete Davidson? Is anyone even talking about her now? I don't know, but they might. I, it's a good point. I, I think she went from being like a film nerd reference to being a celebrity reference with this. So that's good for her if she wants to be famous and wants to get cast and stuff. I assume that her Instagram followers will skyrocket as a result of dating Pete Davidson. 
which isn't that the service that Pete Davidson provides to everyone at this point? Yes. Except for Ariana Grande. He got that power from Ariana Grande, and now he just gives it to other people. It's like the transitive property or something. So, yeah. What What's your timeline for this? How long do you give it? Great question. Uh, I'm going to go with, let's see, it's September. They debuted at Venice. They probably started dating sometime July or August. And giving it till April. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. I feel like Margaret Qualley wouldn't be surprised if she was the kind of woman who was into a project where she wanted to be a fixer. I think that Margaret Qualley will be present in awards season. I I don't think she'll be nominated just because I don't think that role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is long enough, but they'll definitely be campaigning that movie. And I think that, you know, she's obviously like a young, extremely photographable woman. So I bet they'll have her out a lot or as much as she wants to be. And I can't really see her sticking with him throughout the entire award season. That's that's where I am. So wow. I'll maybe give it end of the year. Wow, I didn't even think about that. You're, you're light years ahead. Okay, lastly, let's share some personal news. We're still on separate coasts. So we're just going about our days, coming together via text message and podcast to share some interests. And I want to tell you about my Netflix habits, which is, I've mentioned this previously, the second there is a uh, rom-com available on Netflix, I will watch it. Like, literally the moment it's up. I check every Friday for this reason. So, so, hold on, hold on. That's interesting. You're trained to release days and you check every Friday. Yeah. That's great news for Netflix, Juliet. I am gonna be. I'm going to be using that anecdote on other podcasts. Um, you go for okay. it. Keep going. Go for it. I am crestfallen when there's nothing new for me, and I'm elated when I find stuff I'm interested in. This week was a double dose. I started watching Styling Hollywood, which is a new reality show that I really recommend. It is about this gay couple named Jason Bolden and Adair, whose last name I forget. I'm so sorry, Adair. They have a company called JSN Studios where Jason is a uh, stylist for celebrities, like a lot of major ones, including who are on this show, by the way. Uh, Gabrielle Union, Taraji P. Henson, Zazie Beetz, Yara Shahidi. Like, the, they're all in the first, like, three episodes. Meanwhile, his husband, Adair, is an interior designer, and they, like, are a design couple. And also, I've been following them on Instagram for a really long time, so so excited to see them. Anyway, I watched that. But the main thing is I want to tell you about is before I watched Styling Hollywood, I saw that there was a new rom-com, and I just started watching it. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't Google it. I had no questions asked. I started watching, and it's called To Fall in Love, I-N-N, and it's about Christina Milian, who I don't think about often slash ever anymore, who is like, you know, some corporate high-powered dating some guy who won't commit in San Francisco, which is like a really underused but great rom-com city, i.e. The Wedding Planner, Ed TV, and let's just say Puck and Rachel's relationship on the real world San Francisco. (laughs) And so then she like wins ownership of an inn in New Zealand. And because like her job is like frustrating and her boyfriend won't commit, she goes to New Zealand and like starts working on the inn. And if you think Under the Tuscan Sun is like a good movie and I consider it a decent movie, you will be so deeply, deeply upset with this film because to fall in love is probably, the, if not the worst movie I've ever seen, absolutely the worst rom-com I've ever watched, ever. And yet, I, I would not give those 90 minutes back. I'm glad I had this experience in my bed on a Friday. I have a lot of follow-up questions about this as well. Okay. So... I want to ask about the I and in aspect mm-hmm. of this because 
you describe it basically as under the Tuscan sun, but in New Zealand. New Zealand. But is there any sort of kind of service industry or hospitality industry component to the rom-com? Like, how much of it is focused yes. on what it's like to open an inn? Not nearly enough detail, but, like, her rival and foil in this movie is a fellow inn owner in this town in New Zealand. Okay, and then I assume they fall in love. And do they combine the No, inn? that woman, no, no, no. That woman is is her enemy and tries to, like, mess things up for her. She falls in love with, like, the the fix-it guy who's, like, her kind the of, like, man. Her, her, basically the, her contractor. Okay, well, I think the movie I just pitched would have been better. But yes, anyway. Yes, agreed. Okay, so. And, and the contractor is, like, some guy named, like, Adam Muse or something like that. I guess I should look it up. That just tells you how little thought I put into this movie. But he's, like, D-list Josh Lucas. Like, and that's, like, being generous, probably. Wow. Okay. So is the end ultimately successful? Um, like, what do you mean by that? I don't know. Should she successfully open the inn? Do people oh, check yes. in? Like, yes. does she, did she manage to become a business owner at the end of this movie? <laughs> yes, she does. His name is Adam Demos, by the way. I don't okay. know. If I, I'm not even Googling him. I don't care. What are the renovation scenes like? Like, what is the... the... The best scene is, like, at a hardware store. There's not that much, like, actual reno work being done. Like, there's not, okay. like, a big HGTV component. This is part of the problem. Under the Tuscan Sun has a lot of renovation. That's one of the reasons why it's a good movie. Sure. By the way... Wait, the movie's called Falling in Love. I just want to let you know. Okay. Not to fall in love. Sorry. What is the style of the inn architecturally or design-wise? And what is the style of the renovations that she does to it? So her thing is that she's into, like, sustainability. So it's, like, basically kind of like a Victorian Oh, my God. This home. is literally every buzzword at once. Yes. <laughs> it's like a Victorian home, and she, like, outfits it with, like, recycled water and solar panels and smart touches to make it very green and, like, seed certified. Amanda, it's so bad. It's like a it's like a rom-com soup and not a good one. I I'm just imagining like the the touch panels in the Victorian home right now. I don't and even like know what to And like a lot of iPads too. That's awful. And yet, I watched the entire thing. I believe thing. in sustainability, but don't you have to figure out a way to do site-specific sustainability? Oh my god. Okay. And yet, I did not get up one time while watching this movie. I watched it straight through. 90 minutes. No stopping. Okay. <laughs> Just so you know. I had a really lit Friday, as you can tell. Last Friday of labor of uh, the summer, and I just stayed in to watch the worst rom-com of all time. <laughs> I think that's great. I'm I'm just disappointed that such a, a rich premise. Someone should make the the actual HGTV rom-com. I would watch that. I think that's a real underrepresented market. That's a great point. I agree with you. Okay, great. Uh, what's up with you? Tell me about your weekend. My weekend was so great. I went to Mexico City. I really recommend it. What a town. But I did, even though I was in Mexico City, I... Kept up with the U.S. Open because I am a tennis nut, as everyone knows. And I happened to be watching on Saturday night primetime when Coco Goff, who is like the 15-year-old American sensation. She's 15 years old, which is just like really young to be doing any professional sport, but especially tennis. And she played Naomi Osaka, who was the world number one and who beat Serena Williams last year at the U.S. Open to, for her first Grand Slam. And you'll remember that because of the Serena antics, but also Naomi's an incredible player. She also won the Australian Open. She's a great Instagram follow. Really recommend it. And they were playing each other on Saturday night, which was sort of like the future of women's tennis. It was very exciting if you care about that. Anyway, Naomi Osaka is older and has won some major tournaments. And so she 
uh, beat Coco Goff pretty handily. It was this. I, I okay. I won't get too much into the tennis aspects of this, but it was like six three six zero, which means in the second set, Coco Goff didn't win a game, which is like not really what you want to have when you're like in the major, in like the gigantic tennis stadium on Saturday night with everyone watching you and your fishing. Sure. And so Naomi won. And then, you know, normally after a tennis match, the winner stays on the court and they do like a very perfunctory on-court interview. And as the match was ending, the players greet each other in the net and you see they're hugging and both kind of emotional. And then Naomi is kind of goes over to Coco Goff and they're involved in an intense conversation. And so Naomi Osaka, who's 21, convinces Coco Goff to stay on the court. And they do the interview together. And they're both crying at some point. It's really emotional. And Naomi Osaka just wants to give this 15-year-old the chance to thank the crowd who is really supportive for her and, like, not have her feel bad about how the match went. And then Naomi Osaka does her interview and just, like, shouts out Coco Goff's parents. And it's talking about, like, what a great athlete she is and then it's going to be okay and it was just like this amazing like emotional supportive moment that you never see in any sport between like two really young women and I was like overwhelmed by it and was just like crying in my hotel room (laughs) it was amazing I really you can watch it all on Instagram I encourage you to check it out I encourage you to follow Naomi Osaka um, she seems like a pretty special person she really is. And it was just like the composure and just the thoughtfulness, which at 21 after winning this match and you're supposed to be celebrating your victory, you know, like we're all taught or athletes especially are taught to focus on winning and defeating everyone else and everyone else is the enemy. It is like it is competition. And just to be able to flip that switch so instantly, like I couldn't do that now. And I'm much older than Naomi Osaka. Me neither. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was really lovely. I recommend following both of those people if you care about tennis at all. Or if not, that was the nice thing about it. It was like more than just a tennis nerd thing. It was a very special generational thing that I got to watch happen. So that was great. That's great. And also it's something like nice to do that when you're on vacation because it becomes part of like your vacation experience. It's not just like a regular sports experience that you have and then you like go about your daily life. It's like part of the vacation memory. Yes, absolutely. Though it really did feel like it was one of those things I was watching it live and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. This is extraordinary, which I don't really feel like I have. You, you have that often anymore. There aren't that many unplanned, unanticipated, really remarkable things that happen across anything. You're always like, all right, well, I've been waiting for this movie to come out for six months or I've been waiting for these two celebrities to get married or, you know, whatever nonsense we talk about. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Humans are incredible. So that's good. Humans are incredible. That's my attitude for fall 2019. That's a beautiful, beautiful story. Thank you so much. And so positive. You and Justin Bieber are just two shining lights of being positive and sharing that message with the world. Thank you so much. That's what we do. It's what I'm known for. And I'm just pleased to be bringing it to everyone else. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. 